everybody, and welcome back to Bourbon Boys, the uh, podcast where guys get together and talk about life, lore, libation, and all the things that come of being a dad. Uh, this is episode 22, and our third, third installment of Staring Down the Barrel. And we have the pleasure today of speaking with uh, the owner, distiller, and founder, founder of Ghost Coast uh, Distillery out of uh, Savannah, Georgia. Chris. Chris is on with us today and um, joined by my bourbon boys, uh, Kurt. Hey there. Altoon. Hey, hey. And in spirit, Krat. Nah. Someone's got yeah. to pay the bills. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> exactly. So we... Um, this is going to be a cool segment. You know, this is this is another local uh, local to us, meaning we can drive to it. Um, not uh, not something I've seen before, so I'm really looking forward to this one. And uh, Kurt, you you stumbled upon this one um, a couple weeks ago in your uh, weekend away in Savannah. We yep. talked a little bit about this on episode 21, but yeah. uh, now it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. What do we got? We, we uh, we're going to be talking to Ghost Coast uh, and. Um, We've got one of their, we've got their bourbon here, which is a master straight bourbon whiskey. And um, we're going to have Chris tell us a little bit about it. But before we get to that, um, in true form, when it comes to life, libation, and lore, Chris, we're going to ask you a few questions. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to bourbon in the world of spirits. Let's start there. Okay. Um, born and raised in North Carolina. So whiskey urban kind of inbreded at a young age. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I love had it. some friends that I were a little older than I was, um, that, um, actually are about 20 years older than I was when I first met them and, um, yeah, they had families, jobs, things like that, but they on the side, um, distilled, made booze. Um, you know, they did it all, you know, moonshine but also they age whiskeys and things like that so um got to know them got to work with them saw it from that that side of the equation first instead of just it being a business or anything like that and kind of got the bug then i was in my early 20s um, finished school got my mba got into the real world um i classify myself as a serial entrepreneur I, built about a half dozen companies and, and sold them and, and worked for a larger firm that I just handled their mergers and acquisitions and you know, helped them grow their portfolio. I had a, had a team that we would go out and look at different industries, different companies, and whether they were capital poor or executive poor or whatever, and we'd go acquire and bring them into the fold with we were, who we were working for. and you know, kind of give them, you know, added his value and things like that. And in the turn, we had kind of a, as I described it, it was like, like my master's thesis every year. And we try to do four to six acquisitions a year and wow. Wow. a nice, wow. nice little budget. And hmm. Hmm. As long as we were doing our job and adding to the portfolio and added to the, to the valuation of the gentleman's company, he didn't really care what we did or when we did it or how we did it. We just kind of had fun doing it. So, uh -oh. um, did that for about 10 years and yeah. were any, any of those companies in the, um, in the spirit space? No, actually what was crazy is I, we were like me and the, and the guys, we were 
we were trying to convince him to go into the booze business earlier, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> You're like, please. He didn't want to do it. He was like, no, it's, I just don't feel comfortable. You know, he was, he was, a, he was at that time, he was in his late seventies. So he was kind of, he had a moralistic kind of thing. He was a North Carolina yeah. Baptist. So you could imagine he wasn't, he didn't want that part into his, into his legend and who he was and things like that. Okay. So, you know, we had first started watching the craft, you know, breweries coming up and you know they were on fire and we could do all that stuff and that he didn't want to do that. And then we pivoted over and well, we should just make some spirits and make booze. And he's like, no, I can't do that. So that was kind of my first <laughs> look at the, I kept all that information and, you know, decided that I was going to leave them. And that's when that was in 2000, end of 2013, right of 2014. Okay. And, um, called my buddy up that I went to college with at Appalachian and said, Rob, he's a production guy. Um, worked 25 or 22 years with uh, Black Diamond Equipment Company. Um, opened up three of their plants in China and all over the world. So, I mean, he, he was running six huge plants at the time that I convinced him to quit his job that he was, you know, he was loving and living in Salt Lake City and convinced him to quit his job with no uh, security whatsoever and um, move back to North, back to moved to South Georgia and, and we, he came back, we got drunk on whiskey on Old Fitzgerald. <laughs> Never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> Old Fitz. That's a friend. That's a friend. <laughs> we put a business plan together on the, on the literally on the back of a cocktail napkin. That's, and awesome. that's when it started for Ghost Ghost. It wasn't Ghost Ghost right. at that time. It was just something. And um, we were here in Savannah. It was, you know, the, it's a brewery kind of town. Um, okay. Got some beer. Um, but there's four now, there's six, excuse me. There's now soon to be six breweries operating here in, in town and, but no distilleries. We were the first since mm -hmm. really legal ones since prohibition. Um, that's that crazy. That's crazy. They've been making hooch around here forever. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it didn't stop them, but this town has a history of, of, you know, bootlegging from the Caribbean, teaching, you know, Al Capone came down here, learned how to, how to, you know, move, move illegal booze through town and, and, and then he kind of took it on a massive scale up north. Wow. You know, That's so, great. But I mean, there's records of him in town learning. There was a family, um, I think if I remember correctly, their, their last name was White and they had a candle business um, out on Tybee Island, which is 14 miles away from downtown. So they, yeah, you're talking about that. Yeah. 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 They, uh, you know, they, in the late 1800s, they were moving, you know, equivalent money wise now, like $35 million a year of booze through Tybee selling candles. So I have to, I have to tell you something. So a couple things. Um, so the fact that you use the word hooch cracks me up because <laughs> my my wife's family doesn't drink at all, which I find to be a big problem. And um, 
And she's she worth always, keeping. Though. And she always talks about her. You, so hang on. She talks about her auntie Kaka, which they <laughs> called her as young children. And uh, her her name was Kathleen, but apparently they couldn't pronounce that, but they could Kaka. So they called her Auntie Kaka. And Auntie Kaka always showed up at the house with her mayonnaise jar with a rubber-banded piece of saran wrap over it with her hooch the in hooch. it. And the, it's the first time I ever heard that word. So the fact that you use that word is awesome. <laughs> so. <laughs> So what? So I, I'm I'm dying. You had a lot of exposure, you know, great career, M and A, and all that. And your first thought was, "Hey, I'm going to break out of this and get into the spirits business." Is that right? Is that fair? That's yeah. I mean, I was like, so it it, it evolved into that really quickly because I'd learned from a mentor of mine long ago. He's like, "Man, get into to an industry that's recession." Yeah. You know? So then you're you're really solidified, and you can just you fail or you Good succeed advice. on your doing, and not any outside influence. Whether economy goes to shit, sorry, yeah, yeah. or anything yeah. like that. So it's like, oh yeah, no, don't worry about this. You it's not a family swear, don't show. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> so it like, no one's You want to get into that recession proof in this day and age? And death and taxes didn't seem really interesting to me, and so I was like, well. We have a theme around here at Ghost Coast where it's like in good times people drink and in bad times people drink more. So oh, yeah. to me, it's Amen, like Jesus. that's the best recession-proof industry to be in. Yep. Now, yep. That's, quickly that's I learned advice. it's just not all that easy. Um, mm, you know, it's, no. a, it's a legit business. And yeah. Oh, no doubt. You got to know what you're doing. Yeah, 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 no doubt. Absolutely. So, Chris, tell us. So, it sounds like you were introduced to whiskey, bourbon pretty young, but I think one of the questions we like to ask ask you guys is what was your very first experience with a bourbon or whiskey, and what was it? It was Colonel Overhaul, corn whiskey, high proof, and I drank it with Dr. Pepper. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay. I drank way too much of it. Okay. okay. How old were you? I might have been 16, 15 or 16. Yeah. It was oh, like, that's harsh. It might have been. I had a great childhood <laughs> that I would never wish on anybody. But, I mean, my parents love them. They're great. They were well involved in my life and everything like that. But they also were – they did a lot. I mean, they were they were running around – burning both ends of the candle, things like that. I, my father has his own logistics company and, and he was, you know, going through that whole growing a business, being engaged in different associations, things like that. So mm-hmm. what would happen is I'd see my folks Monday through Thursday and then Friday I'd go off to school, they'd go out of town. And so I wouldn't see them until they came back on Sunday. And I had an older brother and a younger sister. So we would take care of ourselves. Um, this was like when I was you know, 16, 17 years old. So I, you know, I was mobile. So I took care of my sister, <laughs> my brother was there. And so we were, you know, we get an envelope of cash and refrigerator full and they'd leave to go on a weekend association meeting or some kind of meeting or whatever. And so we were ran the house, I mean, on our own. And so, had a giant bar in the basement, pool table was my room. So, I mean, it was just, I was, it, was, it couldn't have been better. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't start distilling that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just having too much trouble getting drunk and drinking. <laughs> <laughs> had to be responsible. First. 
<laughs> that was the night. That was reached into dad's liquor cabinet and you know, up until then it, you know, you you would just grab whatever you could and hoping that they weren't marking bottles and yeah. you know, oh, yeah. the typical drink a bunch of vodka, pour a bunch of water in it and yeah. Like my mom and dad, years later, they moved out of that house. Like, you should come get some of this booze. I mean, it got a lot of this vodka. So no, I don't need any of that. <laughs> I'm so good. I'm good. Just water. pour that down. <laughs> so, had a couple of buddies over, and we just grabbed that and went to town. And first couple one, first couple drinks were great. I mean, they were fantastic. And then, you know, like any other kid, you don't you quit measuring and you quit you just start free pouring and it just all goes downhill from there <laughs> <laughs> we've been there a couple nights yeah yes <laughs> the pores get a little bigger long on the pores short long on the pepper on the, that's yeah. right exactly yep. so um all right well let's let's shift a bit a little bit and let's talk more specifically about ghost coast yeah and, i want to um, hear uh so you you and rob uh it's like a bottle of old fits a business plan on the back of a napkin so from there you guys walked wa- walked out woke up maybe a little slow the next morning but since you had a, an agreement how did you start i mean what was kind of step one with ghost coast so step one with ghost coast you know i don't typically do things the easiest way a lot of times I'm just stubborn and people tell me no. And I just say, well, I'll prove you wrong. Um, <laughs> but you know, at that time, the state of Georgia, where we were, where we are and where we live, you know, the alcohol laws hadn't changed since 34. I mean, they were, they up until 2014, 2015, you know, a distillery and, and for that mark, just, you know, a couple of years prior to 14, you couldn't even taste in in your brewery or your or your distillery. Oh wow! Wow! So it didn't make any sense from a fiscal business plan because I mean, how the hell are you going to turn somebody on a new product without bringing them in, showing them, tasting, and you know? And at that time too, sure. the craft industry on the distillations on the on the spirit side was still pretty in its infancy. I mean, you had some guys that had been there and been, you know, the St. George's and the Fuse and those guys that had been around for four or five years that actually had really good product and still do, but, you know, had gone through that whole phase of getting stuff aged and then getting out so you could then really start to compete. Mm -hmm. Um, So we, you know, we went, we did the typical, you know, go talk to Chamber of Commerce, talk to the state and say, Hey, this is what we're looking to do. Can you advise us on what we, you know, the steps that you would like us to see, you know, at, instead of ask for forgiveness, always ask for permission. And you get a lot more, um, you know, really get a lot more for that, especially um, from city state officials, you know, they love that. And so because mm-hmm. then it's something that they can add. And, and then we took it from a different angle, of, you know, knowing that we're in the Bible Belt, even though it's, you know, changed dramatically. Back then, it still was all about, you know, we were just coming out of 2007, 2008, financial, big recession, things like that. So, you know, buzzword was economic valuation, you know, bringing jobs, good quality jobs. And we wanted it to be more than just, you know, hourly guys and things like that. We wanted people to be able to have a career, um, mm-hmm. care, things like that. So it really kind of precipitated in where we got a lot of help from a lot of people, but 
you know, at first, the first six months, a lot of people were interested in, yeah, we want to do this, but, but, you know, then we'd start talking about the business plan and what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it. And they'd look at me, they'd stay, you know, a dead look and like, you're never going to get that laws changed to, to make yeah, this right. viable for you. And I was uh-huh. like, well, what is that going to, what do I need to do about that? And, you know, you need to go walk the halls of Atlanta and get some, some, you know, heavyweight legislators to actually agree with you. And I'm like, that's easy. I mean, I like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just bring them some booze. Yeah. <laughs> is that all? So we spent a good 16, 17 months wow. in Atlanta just talking to whoever would listen to us. And, um, you know, we break them down until the point where like, all right, all right. I hear you. Get out of my office. I don't want to see you anymore. I'll, I'll, you know, I just wore them down. And then, so we got some laws changed that at least, I wouldn't say it made it financially responsible or reasonable, but it, 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 it started, you get that door cracked and then it, then it opens up. Yeah. Right. Especially yeah, for sure, for sure. bring tax revenue and you, you add these aspects of it on, from the governmental side and they're like, oh, great. I mean, third largest taxed industry in, in the country next behind nuclear and and pharmaceutical so i mean you know 50 percent of that bottle that's on the table take half of that liquid out and that just pays your taxes and then so you're like wow. oh, here we go wow. yeah. <laughs> that's crazy that kind of started that whole momentum and then you know and and then we also we we got lucky i mean i i think anybody who's successful you got to have a little bit of luck you just can't do it all because then it gets just boring. But you know, <laughs> and we, talked, we, we really backed up what we were talking in regards to economic value. And, and, and you know, again, Georgia is a highly agricultural based state from a revenue yeah. perspective. Um, it's our largest industry in the state. So, you know, we could add that. And then we started seeing more and more distilleries popping up in the state of Georgia and, and, you know, so one of the things that we pride ourselves on is 70% of our grains, for the most part, come in from within 100 miles of the distillery. So That's very cool. We get that opportunity to talk with farmers and, you know, convince them, hey, we're not going to, we're not asking for hundreds of acres for you to plant, but would you try this crazy grain in 50 acres? And we'll pay yeah. you $10 for it better than that that rye grass that you're just planting in there and getting subsidies from the government not to plant. Mm. Right. Mm. Oh, wow. So it, it kind of makes sense. And then it kind of perpetuated with other distilleries doing the same. And, and now these, you know, these mom and pop farmers, when they're not planting soybeans, cotton, corn, you know, for feed and, and that for livestock, they can carve out little sections of their farm and, and really make a huge profit. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Us, and then, you know, we ask them to, to silo it and things like that so we can spread it out for the year. And they're like, yeah. And, and oh, I'll pay you for rent um, on your silo. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> new to me too. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it works for us. And so that's fantastic. Uh, it adds some, it adds for some fun. And yeah. Well, very it's, cool. it's, it's real good cool. quality. I mean, they, they get all sure. it, like, oh, well, you need to do this and we need to do that. And, you know, if you want yeah. to yeah, they're, more they're pulling for you now. quantity in your, in your, in your grains, then we need to start earlier and finish later. And, you know, it, it's, That's a really cool. it's cool. So, I mean, I'm no, that is very cool. I'm no farmer, but 
I've learned a lot from them really quickly. Sure. That's yeah, there's cool. like there's like a whole community <clears throat> built around it, which right. is kind of cool, right? So not only do you get the grains from you know within a hundred miles around you guys, but it's almost like you're bringing them into the business in a way. So that's oh that's yeah, they, cool. they can share the pride. And then the, the other fun part about that is is all of our distillate from all of our whiskeys and our bourbons and that you know we'll run we run a two we run a two uh, stage process a low wine and high wine on a 500 gallon um, system. So after our low line run, we have all this used spent grain. That's great for seed and food, yep. seed for mm. eggs and cows. Sure. One of our farmers that we get grain from, we've increased his yield of his yearlings by seven and a half pounds just wow. by feeding. <laughs> <laughs> and Fat, drunk, and happy. Yes. Happy as pig. Take me whenever you need me. That's awesome. <laughs> Not trying to run away. That's awesome. That's really <laughs> we don't need offenses. Not going anywhere. No offenses. But guys, listen. This is what's so cool about these places, right? Because I know. you know, yeah. Jim Beam's not doing that. And yeah. I mean, this is this is why we want to talk to you guys because there's more behind the story than just the liquid you guys right. are making, right? It's resourceful. And, um, that that's what makes it so cool. That's fantastic. I love that. I love I that. Too. Who needs fences? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so tell me about the Ghost Coast name. How'd you come up with that? Oh. Well, you want the true story or you want the made up? We want the drunk story. We want the drunk story. <laughs> the drunk story. Just another, get to rob and being drunk. Napkin. I said go. another napkin. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the first name of the company. Um, rob and I, in our ultimate wisdom, you know, we can produce and we can sell shit, but creative-wise, we're pretty stupid. And <laughs> so it's like, we came up with this brilliant sounding company and and thought oh you know it was you know it was visions of of stepbrothers you know we we're going you know with this giant conglomerate name and it would be all <laughs> and things like that and our wives thank god they're patient with us because they have to be being married to us but like, <laughs> they let us live this out for like three days and we're like oh we're gonna do all this logo stuff and they're like y'all are blowing it and i'm like what do you mean you were blowing it this is great and they're like, no you're in Savannah, the most haunted city in the world. Is it? Use, use mm-hmm. ghost as a, a, as a double entendre. You know, ghost, 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 spirits. You tie it together with yeah, yeah. this whole spirit and ghosts. And, you, you know, at that time, you know, the paranormal, it's still big, but, I mean, it was yeah. really kicking off then. And so it was a neat little spin onto it. And, you know, you drink enough, you'll see ghosts. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> or pigs. <laughs> so Savannah is considered a coast town, but it's 14 miles. Okay. Long, so how does that really make it a, you know, an ocean town, but it's not. So it's, it's kind of this play and that's really where it worked. And then after a while, we just kind of ghost coast just rolls off the tongue real easy. You know, we, we call all of our fans and, and people that support us ghost coasters. So it, it just kind Very of plays cool. back that's to, cool the bar and, and things like that. So it's just, it's just really, the wives were right. That's great. I know. That's great. Well, cheers to your wives. Yeah. I think the Cat- the Catalina mixers spirit company <laughs> would have worked out. Okay. Though. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right. So, so you got it. You got a cool name now. Uh, you're rocking and rolling. Got Rob on board. Uh, what was the first spirit you guys went after? I mean, you've got a great lineup. Uh, cruising the website, haven't had a chance to visit there in person yet, but cruising the website, you got a great lineup. What did you guys start with? 
Well, so we started like everyone, you know, it's all about cash flow the first few years and trying to be break even as possible. And so, you know, yep, we yep. vodka. And we came out, we rolled out with a regular vodka, we rolled out with a, a flavored vodka that kind of ties to the history of Savannah. Um, back when General Oglethorpe came over from England, he pulls up into Savannah up on the bluffs and he just sees orange trees as far as I can see. Like, oh, this is great. You know, we're we're gonna be a debtor's colony, need to give Pete these these criminals, but not criminals because most of them were put in prison because they owed more money than they could make and things like that. So what a better way to set up an agricultural based community where these people just work off their debt and then they get back, go, go back home to England and, you know, and then send their wares back to that. Well, unbeknownst to Oglethorpe, a hundred years prior, the Spanish were here. And they planted all these orange trees, these Seville orange, they're real sour and got a lot of flavor, but you wouldn't want to drink it. I mean, you mix it mm. with other things and stuff like that. And then <clears throat> the Chippewa and, and the, the native Indians, they, you know, they had enough of the Spanish and ran them out off. And, you know, all of a sudden you got all these orange trees everywhere and, Oh, these must be indigenous trees, typical, you know, English <laughs> to, uh, too proud to check into really why, why they're here. And they're, Oh, it's, cause we know that. <laughs> But, you know, it was, that was kind of the deal. So we kind of came from the old school of tying what we make with the place that we're in and our city that we're in. It mm. kind of gives us a nice tie. And, you know, we always have wanted to own our neighborhood and, and own our, 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 our facility and our city. Um, being the first since Prohibition legally, it's, it's been a really benefit for us because, you know, what one thing is Savannah is, is if you're Savannah and you'll they'll support you as long as you support them and mm-hmm. we've done that in our therapy, you know our, our philanthropic side of, of our business where you know we take the smaller uh, nonprofits and help them by hosting you know fundraisers here at the distillery at no cost and whatever we sell booze wise we give a dollar back on drinks and, and stuff like that to really help because you know you can't can't be everything for everybody but you can really pick a few and really help them set their way and, and you know make them feel a part of the community and it gets us makes us feel warm and fuzzy because we don't you know we don't have big budgets we're not brown uh-huh. foreman we're not yeah right uh-huh. guys but we like to try to give back whatever we can and um so it, it kind of protected with that and so you know it was the all what can we get out the fastest that's that's good. It has to be good. We couldn't, we won't put it in a bottle and put it out there. So the vodkas were the first two. And then we rolled up behind that about nine months later with our flavored whiskey, the start of our favorite flavored whiskey line. We've got a ginger whiskey and a honey whiskey that are the ginger and the honey are all locally sourced. Um, Savannah B company here that Mm -hmm. has, they're they're massive. I mean, they they do they're big. Yeah. They they helped us procure our proprietary blend of three different honeys that we put together, and then we filter, and then we put it in our twenty one percent rye whiskey. And it's, you know, it's we like everything that we do flavor wise is is spirit forward. You know, so the first thing you should taste with our honey whiskey is our 21% rye. And then okay. and it finishes on the, on, on the back end of it with this great, not too sweet, but just sweet enough 
honey. And mm-hmm. it's really, we call it the gateway drug for whiskey drinkers that aren't whiskey drinkers yet. <laughs> yep, yeah. amen. And so it's like, all right. And, and then, you know, ginger, the same thing. Um, there's a, a farm seven miles up north of, of city limits, um, Lebanon Plantation, where they grow ginger and turmeric. And we get their ginger, oh, very ginger cool. from them. And it goes into our ginger whiskey. And again, it's 21% rye and whiskey forward, yep. but with a nice scent of, of ginger spice on the end. And it goes really well and balances really well with that rye spice. And, and again, it's, you know, it, you're a lazy Manhattan or old fashioned drinker like me. It's like less I have to muddle, the more I get to drink. That's the best way to go. Yeah. <laughs> that slows you, that stuff slows you down. That would be a great t-shirt yeah. by the way. <laughs> but so no that's time what to muddle. we do. And, and then it was also this whole adage of we really, you know, we built this distillery to be a bourbon and a whiskey distillery. Yep. And mm-hmm. yeah, yep. laws changed and morphed and that. So we had to, you know, the beauty of what, what I love, what we do is, we're not this giant behemoth barge, you know, cargo ship that takes forever to turn because they're just mm-hmm. so set in a way and they're so big. We're yeah. nimble. So yeah. yeah, we find something, it works, we can change to it or adapt to it. If it doesn't work, we can drop it off and say, all right, mm-hmm. you know, we tried, but let's yeah. be mobile and move and, and, and find where, where we are. And that's kind of also the, the emphasis of, you know, we've got out of our 26, 27 variants that we have out in the market, you know, we make here, 13 of them are out in the marketplace. I mean, it's crazy. Hmm. Um, That's awesome. That's a good hit rate, you know? I like to, I add it, I look at it as, I can't catch fish if I don't have enough holes in the water. Yeah. The holes I have in the water, better better makes my chances of of catching something. Right. Right. And so when I'm out making sales calls, it's like, you're not going to like everything we make. But by God, there's going to be a couple. But there's something there. You like and want. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So much easier from a sales side of, well, if you don't like this, well, how about this? And you don't like this, you know, how about this? And then I just wear them down and say, finally, they'll say yes. Yeah. Now, is is you said in the beginning, like, or uh, beginning of the segment, that you're, you know, having that agility and flexibility to try new things. Is the flavored whiskey, because it's, it's not a bourbon, is that kind of on the way to getting to a bourbon, you kind of pull a little bit to the side and say, this doesn't have to wait the typical waiting period for it to become a, a, you know, quote bourbon, but it has a lot of the characteristics on the way. We can put a little bit out, add some honey, try some ginger, experiment with that while the bourbon is still aging. So every whiskey we make, technically we could call it a bourbon if we wanted to. It matches, it fits with, the mash bill definition from TTB and things like that. But we don't because we don't want one. We've always core decision that we made is we don't put anything in bottle. That's not good. Um, Or as we like to say, non-offensive. So (laughs) for us, it's this whole scenario of we're not going to capitalize on the cachet of the word bourbon because it just, for us, it cheapens what we're trying to accomplish in our opinion. Um, you know, that's why we waited three years to release that master bourbon. Mm. You know, I wasn't really excited about launching it and letting it out there because I didn't think it had aged long. Okay. It was, it was that you know, we do things here by committee and we thought it was good enough. 
Um, that it wouldn't be offensive. It was wasn't like, offensive. <laughs> it's not offensive. We we've had some offensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is you're right. Offensive. You're a non-offensive. We have. Yeah, this one's not <laughs> offensive. That one's that one's fun because it's really four mash bills in one, and we also two of the mash bills we went crazy, and you know we, it's it, it's no it's we didn't come up with the concept. Let me first foremost say that. We, we stole from Four Roses. I mean, if you're going to steal from somebody, steal from one of the best. And, you know, they, their whole scenario is, you know, take different mash bills and blend them to get to something that's really good. Okay. And that's what we did with this is it was the Four, Four Roses model. But we went a little crazy <clears throat> on two of our mash bills because we decided, you know, we wanted to bring in a couple crazy yeast strings. To add okay. to the flavor comp profile that you can't norm that you just couldn't get, so we added saison yeast to a rye mash bill and, and then a more and then a wheat mash bill and then all okay, four so we add uh, oats to it because who doesn't like oats? I mean, uh, when I was okay. a kid growing up, I loved hot oatmeal, and it just yeah. has so we've got that is just so good on the finish that it, I mean. Not to, so not we to got a lot going around, on there, right? I, I got, can't count how many times I've started a bottle of that, and by the end of the night, it's like maybe a third left. I'm like, what the hell just happened? And it's, just <laughs> <laughs> it's Tuesday. Yeah, that's happened it here too. Like oatmeal. But the re ending results are never good. <laughs> no, no, weird decisions made at the end. So, so tell us about this one. So you said it's a three year. It's been in the barrel for three years. And you've got a four four mash bill, okay, four three year minimum. You got a, f and you've got corn. You mentioned rye, wheat, barley, oats, oats. Yep. And then okay. uh, some really great water, and and then we just we, our aging. I think is really the key to, the, and it's the final cog of the of of what happens here. It's and it's pretty distinctive to us. I think from a you know, a longitudinal position in, in the world that we live in. Yeah. You know, we're 14 miles from the ocean. We have a giant river that is literally a pitching wedge from, from our front door and our rick house. Mm -hmm. Everything's okay. done on site. We, mm -hmm. okay. we mill, we ferment, we distill, we age, everything. So All right, cool. it's pretty, pretty fun because we could see it from the start to finish. And we always can see where barrels are and what they're doing. Um, the uniqueness of our distillery of being in downtown Savannah is our fire marshal was pretty, I'm not going to say immovable and not reasonable at what they asked us to do, but they were pretty, they knew what we were doing from a distillation point. And, you know, they knew at certain stages of distillation and we're a bomb making factory and, you know, we've got mm -hmm. you know, apartment complexes around us, students from SCAD walking up and down. You know, they were afraid we were going to blow up somebody and, you know, yeah. ourselves <laughs> and a bunch of people around us. So it's like. Had he tried the whiskey before the inspection? Uh, so, no. okay. So he was just going on good faith, like versus I really like this. I want to keep encouraging what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> just do it during spring break. He was a. He considered himself a bourbon aficionado. Oh, and, mm. and he'd come Fancy. in, and you know this 
this all happening before we actually started distilling. This was, I guess, so we just started, we, our first distillation, our first, actually, first cook was January 4th, 2017. Um, we were still hungover from New Year's Eve. We had all these <laughs> shiny pieces of equipment that we were like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to set the world on fire. And, you know, <laughs> or at least this block. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, there's a reason why the first four barrels that we made, we're not touching for 10 years just so, because we know it's, it's probably crap. <laughs> but people love a good 10-year bourbon. Right, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a big shoulder shrug. Uh, maybe. We'll see. Just don't touch it. Now, what what gives you the the uh the like you said you're in a unique um uh latitude, you know, what's what's giving you that um that that sweetness that that's in the barrel? It's all about our temperature variation and mm. pressure and things like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, being around two giant major water uh, sources, the ocean and the Savannah River, being in Savannah itself from humidity levels to okay. the pressure from storms and, you know, whether it's a hurricane that comes through or tropical storms and things like that, it all affects the juice in the barrels. Mm. The best way I describe it is, you know, we'll go like today. It was 45 degrees this morning when we woke up, and it finished out at 72. That's a big swing. Wow. We almost went through 30 degrees of, of temperature swing. So yeah. imagine, imagine a sponge, and you, you know, squeeze your hand, it pushes all the water out, open hand, sucks all the water in. Well, that's yep. what those damn barrels are. The whiskey barrels are, are sponges. And so yep. when you put 53 gallons of 110 proof whiskey and you go through 40 degree temperature swings on a routine basis, nine months out of the year. Oh, and then the other three months out of the year, you hit them with 105 degrees temperature. Uh, Crazy mm -hmm. shit happens in that barrel. And yeah. so it, you know, that, that temperature swing, what it does is it creates that barrel and it respirates. So it breathes. Uh -huh. And so what happens is it sucks in that juice and then it pushes it out, sucks it in, okay. pushes it out. And the only reason we know this is you get into our whiskey barrels and you break those staves apart. You look at it and it's like, it's, you know, besides the angel share that we all know about that comes out, seeps out and all that. Well, you can see the definitive line of where the juice penetrates the wood and continues mm. to come through where, you know, three quarters of a stave will have a ring. Wow. How much uh, wow. pushed in and out. So, you know, along with the char, which we char our barrels at three from Kelvin Cooperage okay. in Louisville, okay. Imagine how many times that liquid gets pushed through and out, back and forth through that char and through that, that white oak that That's get all wild. these esters, these sugars, these sap esters, these things that pull all your bad esters and bad tasting that was left in from our distillation because we don't, we don't, di we don't distill it real high because we don't want to burn off any flavor. Okay. But the problem with that is, is then you leave some maybe not so great flavor compounds in the liquid. So what happens is, is the filtration through the barrel kind of gets rid of those bad, that bad, bad flavors and leaves great juice. Yeah. So, you know, it was the cognizant thought of, all right, 
we're going to distill it at lower proof and then hope that the aging process really kicks in and, and helps us out. And that's, but that's also why I didn't want to really, we didn't want to go early, any earlier than three, really four years, just so you get four distinct summer, spring, fall, and winters that we had experience in Savannah. And, you know, especially the summers, I mean, it's 102 degrees, you know, our aging room and our, in our in, in distillation room, our production area is all, it's non, we don't heat it, we don't cool it. Oh. All we do is we, we bring in air six times an hour in both 65, 7,000 square feet of production space and then another, I guess, another 65, 7,000 square feet of rickhouse. Yeah. So, I mean, when it's foggy outside, it's foggy in our rickhouse. When it's raining outside, it's raining in our rickhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Morale is just it's crazy. Yeah. These days we can't bottle because it's so damn humid that no, no label will stick to a no bottle. Labels won't stick. Oh. <laughs> Nor can you walk around on the floor because we're cycling so much air in that it's so wet and damp. But it's oh. great for the it's great for the barrels. Yeah, really. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's this trade-off. And it's, That's awesome. It's fantastic. Tell us about the, the flavor we've got going on. So we've all poured, I don't know, three or four glasses already. <laughs> uh, a little more. Because <laughs> oh, well. it's, like you said, we're, we're, we're trying to keep up with you, you and know. getting down think, to that one I think those were our... just trying to get the equipment set up. So That's true, too. <laughs> so what, do we, what, do, what, do you, what should we be tasting? What do, we, what do we get on the nose and what do we get on the first? So you, you got your traditional rye, you got your traditional barley, your tradition, you're not so traditional oats and your corn. So okay. There's a good balance of sweet. There's a good balance of spice. But now you also, with the Saison yeasts, you get this apricot, you get this citrus, you get this grapefruit. Yeah. Crat. Yeah. I like, I like that you called it at least apricot. Yeah, we, so... Sorry to interrupt. We get so Dave. We got to throw a little dig on Dave here because he always pronounces apricot apricot, and he claims that we pronounce it wrong, <laughs> which from the north we don't. Yeah. So, but he would be thrilled to the fact that you actually use the word apricot because yes. he always says everything tastes like apricot. Yes, apricot, apricot. Yeah, so. I'm definitely getting apricot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, all right, continue. So it is. I, I get it as well. And you, uh, you mentioned the saison yeast. You think that's kind of the driver behind that that really pulls that out? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, yeah. we stole that from the brewer guys. You know, on on their on their sours and things like that. It's yeah, it's mm-hmm. a great little addition, and it's subtle. But you know, if you, and of course, it's you know, we're blending these four different mash bills together. So you got to be cognizant of how you do it and what order we put them in, so you don't overpower and lose it. But it's something that we really enjoy doing. And then, you know, at the, and then at the end, the oat kind of just brings it all together. It's kind of like the cement yeah. that, that ties these flavors together. And then it's the, you know, the age too. It just kind of brings it all into a nice 86 proof straight bourbon, which is, I mean, I've had some 86 proof whiskeys and bourbons that, I mean, they just kick you in the mouth and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And yeah, this, this is nice I mean, and smooth. I, and I, I know I'm biased. I love this. This was fun to make. Just oh, this is great. We, we just enjoyed it. And it was our first. Yeah. And, but, you know, it's that, you know, we're proud. We're proud of it. Yeah, you should be. Yeah, yeah you should be. 
Yeah, you should. And this is a great color. I mean, for a three year. Yeah. I mean, it's you know the barrels are like you're talking about working over overtime that three char. I mean, we've seen a lot that have been in the barrel longer than that, and they don't have nearly that amber, that richness. So, I can't wait to see what this looks like in another one, two, three cycles for you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, COVID was an interesting year for us because we launched that during COVID, and it it did well. Um, considering, but you know, with off-premise sales and package stores and that, that's because everybody was stuck at home, had nothing else to do but to drink, and, and so yep. it, it really kicked in. And now, you know, now with things that are opening back up, yeah, we're seeing the on-site, you know, you know, bars and restaurants now are bringing it in. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what's been great is that one's a three-year-old, but we're really now getting into our four-year-old barrel. Nice. So I'm excited. To say, if you like that one, the new ones that are just getting out and hitting the street are even better. So like we can't get that, though, correct? Because you guys don't distribute outside the state. Is that correct? We have some online partners that do distribute outside the state. Um, just okay. Really, the big, the big question is, is, is where, where is it being shipped into? There are certain states that just... Do not allow, you know, Utah. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> what if I ordered like a case of candles? <laughs> <laughs> Can I get like the Capone candle the, the, case? The white family? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I love it. What's um now that we're at, we're, we're starting to open back up and you guys have, have seen some, some pretty gnarly times. What's the one thing that keeps you up at night? What do, what do, what are your worries? Um, we talked about the bomb making factory that you've got. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think the the thing that keeps me up at night is we're growing so fast that I pride ourselves so far that in the four years that we've been open, that we never missed PO from our distributor to fill. Nice. And I know it's coming. It, it will. It just happens. I mean, it, it happens to everybody. But I just, to me, it's, I, I take my relationships with my, my, my distributors really to heart. And that they gave us the opportunity when they didn't have to. Yeah. And we're like no other, I mean, we're like every other craft distillery in the world, in the country that, you know, yeah, we, we're making good stuff. You know, hey, yeah. cross your fingers, it'll be good. But, you know, it's, they gave us the opportunity and then they support us. Um, okay. You know, ultimately, every distributor, I don't care who they are and I don't care what anyone tells them, their main objective is to move product from their warehouse right. yep. to right. bars, restaurants, and package stores. That's it. Yep. They're not yep. there to sell your product. I mean, let's be honest. You look at their portfolio, it's giant right. for a reason. Right. right. Yep. Because right. they have to hit to every consumer. Because I'm sure the four of us could sit around a table and there'd be there'd be stuff that that we all wouldn't agree that is good. Yep. Or yep. we'd all agree that that's you know with different levels of good. Right. Yep. It's right. Because our palates are yeah, different. We have that here. Yep. For sure. For sure. So it's it. How can you expect that a distributor to go out and sell your product? You have to sell it yourself. Yep. And you have to believe in it. Mm-hmm. And you have to have the art for it. 
Yeah. So yep. that's where I really take a different position with distributors that you give us the opportunity to sell our product. All I ask is you, if I get you a sale, by God, you get, you get that delivered when you say you're going to right. do it or you shit happens. Yeah. Trucks break yeah. down sure. like that. I get it. Yep. Yep. But you call that customer and you say, Hey, it's not going to be today because of an issue, yep. yeah. but we're going to yeah. get it tomorrow. You own it. Yeah. Own yeah. it. Yeah. And so yeah. that's, that's, that's the thing that's, that I stay up at night. And your, your team, I got to imagine your team shares that same vision. I yes. beat it over their yes. heads. Okay. Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably don't listen to this podcast, so you're fine. <laughs> so, they don't so, listen to me at all anymore. <laughs> all right, so the distributors are obviously a big part of your success. I'm curious, though, because uh, you are in drive distance, and believe it or not, people do listen to this, so hopefully you're going to be <laughs> swarmed with actual people uh, coming into the the distillery to, to tour, whatever, what, uh, anything you would give us kind of a peek behind the scenes. What should people look for? What should people ask for? What's unique? Anything, you know, when they, when we come rolling in or they come rolling in any, uh, any trade secrets here. So we change our menu out fairly regularly. I mean, it's like every, I mean, in the tasting room, for example, we'll, yep. we'll change that menu out maybe once every two, two and a half months. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a data guy, so I pay attention to what sells and what doesn't. Okay. And so if it's, if there's something on the menu that's not moving 86 and it, it's out of here, see ya. I mean, it may, yeah. you may like it, but if there's not a lot of other people that like it, then yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, sometimes to the detriment though, too, because we have some really great ones that we pulled off the menu just because we were running through so much product that we were afraid we weren't going to be able to get certain ingredients to the distributor. And um, mm, okay. so it's, a, it's a fine balance of, you know, juggling it. Um, you know, I always love people to challenge our, our bartenders um, because they're good. They're really good. But, they also sometimes get arrogant and I just love to get, I love them to get tripped up and I love them to get drinks sent back because it just, it just hits their pride just a little bit. And it humbles yeah. them just a little bit. So they're like, okay, I got to really pick up my game and change what I've been doing because it's obviously doesn't work for this individual. Yeah. That's the best thing because if you don't get knocked down once in a while, it, it, it really does you no good. Oh yeah, you can't get comfortable. So, so, so what I'm hearing is Chris has just posed a challenge to us <laughs> it comes to, to come drink down back. and challenge his bartenders. Accepted. <laughs> We're not that far away, Chris. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Sounds like a road. I, I have a I have a challenge for you guys. You guys come down. We have this drink that we made up about a year ago. It's called the Time Traveler. Uh oh. I feel like I need to get a hotel room for this one. <laughs> Is, is actually perfect because you can't drink more than three and know where you are. Remember what you are. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, it's literally all booze. It, it, it has three, three, four, three. It has, or five if you include ice cubes as an ingredient. No, no, no. It's got either chocolate I bitters do. or orange bitters, depending on your flavor. All right. It's got orange. our herbal bitters. It's got our cherry almond liqueur, 
and it's got our straight master bird. That's it. And we, out of curiosity, we were just curious how juiced up we were getting people. And so we, we made the cocktail and then put it through our equipment in the lab. And it's literally like a 72 proof cocktail. Oh my God. Let's go. I thought you were going to say, we put it through our equipment in the lab. His name is Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) And at three drinks, he fell over. We, we smoke it and Mm. we do a difference. We don't do your typical, put it in the drink, put it under a dome and shove them some damn smoke up in there. And Oh, miraculously. (laughs) Now we take, we make the drink, we put it in a jar. We then take, all the, the, the staves that we have from our bourbon, we chip those up and we put that in our smoker and we light it. It's like a bong. And we, yeah, basically it is. It's like <laughs> a year of college all over again. <laughs> I would have loved science if they did that. And we fill it up and then we swirl it to get it in the molecules and then pour Jeez. it over two by two cube. Okay. Incredible. I'm I'm down right, with coming. at least two right. of them. So when we're, <laughs> we'll right, when we're coming up. to Savannah, do we call you Chris? Because we're going to come to yeah. Savannah. And yeah, an Uber. Then we're just going to get crazy and weird. No, we're going to take <laughs> we're going to take the 88 down. All four of us in the 88. Oh, oh god. Oh, my god. <laughs> I just so, said, so only thing the only thing I say is one word for you guys. If you're coming down here and we're going to go out, hydrate. <laughs> <laughs> We're going out. I'll start now. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So listen, I, I got to tell it. you, the the location you guys are in is great. Like it's, it, you can definitely see where that area is going and everything that's happening on the river down there. And um, it, it's, uh, you guys are in a prime space. Um, I don't know if it's chipping distance, at least not in my game, but um, <laughs> it's probably a little bit more like a driver for me. But uh, <laughs> but again, great space. I uh, I definitely think we need to get down there because I would love to get into the distilling space and see it and really you know have more conversation, talk to your gang. Got to throw a call out to Coco because she was fantastic when we were down there and um, fed us a lot of different things, um, including the bitters, which I absolutely love. Uh, we drink, my wife loves them. We drink them after dinner. So um, I guess here's the last question. Usually we do a last call, but um, because we're, we're looking at one spirit right now, I'm going to ask you a different question. So, you know, in the world we all live in, we all have challenges. We all deal with lots of different things. Um, who's got your back in the end, Chris? You mean uh, at the, my teammates? No, just just in life in general, like you know, you're you've taken on so many different challenges. You're now doing this distilling thing. Um, you know, if you had to call it, who's got who who's got your back? If you need somebody who's got your back, oh man, that's an easy one. My poor wife. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to the wives. Cheers to the wives. It, that's a that's a whole show in its own of what I've put that woman through over the last almost 20 years of marriage and two kids and, you know, come home and I throw my briefcase down and say, that's it. I'm done. We're, we're moving and we're going to go, we're leaving North Carolina and we're going to Montana and we're going to own a fly fishing and hunting resort. And you're going to run in it and I'm just going to go out fishing and hunting every day. What do you think? <laughs> She's like, sure. Have a time traveler. <laughs> Not that I'm gullible, but did you really do that? I did. 
That's great. That's awesome. Did she unpack? Or did she unpack? We made it through six winters in Montana. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Holy shit. Did ever leave? But after the sixth and the desire to have a second child, she said, it's either Montana or me, and I'm taking Mm. the kids. Uh, the kids like a country and song. The dogs, so I'm like, she was leaving me in Montana by myself. And so yeah. I said, well, it was a good run. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, so I'm coming yep. back. You're a good it. man. Holy good shit, man. so you actually did it. I didn't think That's you actually, awesome. I thought you just said it. I didn't think you actually did it. Oh, yeah, no, it was crazy. That has oh all the trappings God. of a good country song. Oh, uh, there you go. Yep. There you go. Hey, well, Chris, um, you know, in true form, you guys, this was a great conversation. Really, Chris cannot thank you enough. Great bourbon. More yeah. so for your patience and just us getting our shit together on this end. So um, I think it'd be great to have another conversation at some point. I think, you know, great stories. And uh, we certainly need to get down to Savannah and see you and on site. meet part yeah. of your team. So, yeah. so in true form, as we say, bourbon on. Well, before um, and, we before oh. we close it out, though, just for everybody listening, uh, Ghost Coast Distillery, yep. uh, Master Straight Bourbon Whiskey, excellent. Like I said, I don't think it's uh, available in North Carolina. It must be on Georgia right now. You can find it on some websites, but uh, yep. highly recommend. We talked yeah. a lot of times about worth the trip. Uh, you know who this would be good for. You know, again, he hit the nail on the head. It's it's actually a really good across a wide wide range. It's smooth enough that uh, first time bourbon drinkers for sure are not going to be scared off. But there's enough complexity and uniqueness with the the saison and the uh, oats and all that I think a lot of folks would enjoy it. So if you yep. come across Go- uh, Ghost Coast, highly, highly, highly recommend it. Right. Good call. It's cool. great. It's a great hooch. Great hooch. <laughs> <laughs> now we got to get to the uh, Catalina freaking mixer. That's there right. We go. <laughs> Chris, thanks a lot. Chris, cheers uh, to you, brother. Bourbon, Bourbon on, on, man. We thank, thank you. Thank you.